everyone. Welcome to the Cambridge Quarant Chats podcast. My name is Simone Ehringfeld and this is where I have chats with fellow students and academics at Cambridge University so we can all stay in touch during this coronavirus pandemic and exchange experiences of life under lockdown. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Cam Quarant Chats and please give us a follow. I'd love to hear from you how you are dealing with life under lockdown. Hi there and welcome to this new episode of Cambridge Quarant Chats. My guest for today is Anna Oakes, an MPhil student in modern languages focusing on Spanish. She's also a very good friend of mine. We go to the same college and she is the first person that I met when I first moved to Cambridge. So she's my oldest friend as I will explain also in this episode. We're catching up and talking about the do's and don'ts of student life on our lockdown in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Anna. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me, Simone. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining me on a podcast. Mm, how, um, my pleasure. How was your Easter? Um, it was really nice. Um, we had an Easter brunch. Yeah. Uh, Peter, who's one of my housemates, he made pancakes for us with so we added chocolate, um, blueberries, some other stuff, and then um, it was kind of an easy day. I went on a run in the afternoon. Um, Talked to family, yeah. but that was, yeah, it was pretty quiet. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you are basically, like, I've said this to you before, but you're my oldest friend in, in Cambridge. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we met was just so sweet. So, we, we both, we were not on the same flight, but basically we met mm -mm. on the airport uh, getting into the bus, right? To yeah. <laughs> um yeah we shared a taxi no, to college a taxi. Together. yeah it's so funny thinking of those first moments um yeah. I feel like sort of my perspective of of like what Cambridge is has expanded so much since yeah then. like I, I didn't know where we were I thought we were very far from the college when in fact we weren't actually that far I know um and I, yeah <laughs> it, was, it felt so surreal just like driving through Cambridge in that taxi right. being on the way to Clare Hall not knowing where to go yeah Mm -hmm. and then we got here and like there was like nobody was telling us where to go it was, it yeah. was quite <laughs> um yeah I think even the porters were surprised to see us um, yeah so for some reason they were I don't know why but yeah mm -hmm. how how would you say that what what is the image of Cambridge that you had before you came here like what hmm. is it that you expected um good question it's kind of hard to to think about I mean it was kind of the just sort of the what Cambridge means in like our cultural imagination uh -huh. um as is I thought of it as a very very like traditional um old-fashioned um I yeah I didn't really know that there would be kind of I didn't really think of it as such a big school and with so many Mm -hmm. people from all over the world and um yeah. different like little pockets um everywhere that yeah. are not what you know ima you would imagine Cambridge to be yeah um, so you're saying that like in the imagination you would think of it as a more you what did you say old-fashioned or what was it Conservative? yeah I just I thought it would be this really sort of this institution which it definitely is but yeah. at least on the academic side you've I slowly started to see that there's a lot of things that don't really make a lot of sense. Um, and it's sort of this lumbering 
uh, <laughs> university yeah. that, I mean, does amazing things, but um, yeah. 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 I think for me also kind of related to that is like, you have this idea before you come here that it's somehow an integrated whole, like a homogenous institution. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, yeah. And then you come here and you see that it's so uh, diverse, even though mm -hmm. it's still very limited in the ways in which it is diverse. There's definitely like mm -hmm. pockets of people that you can find that uh, think very differently or that at least have these discussions going on of how to diversify and how to organize yeah. and, and yeah. Yeah. Um, I was ready to like, not find anyone that I <laughs> um, sort of connected with, but obviously that is not true. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. What so, about you? Oh, sorry. What about me? What do you mean? How did you see it what before you came here as, as a homogenous thing as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just, you know, it's uh, Cambridge is a brand first and foremost. So it's it's yeah. within the academic world, it's, it's a name, right? So yeah. you have a particular idea about this that it's, it's not very nuanced. It's quite broad and just indeed like an, uh, an old institution that represents sort of, yeah, elite high education, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one of yeah. the best places in the world that you can go to. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of, it stands on a pedestal, you know. Mm. A lot of people, when you tell them you go to Cambridge, it's like, oh my God. And, <laughs> and but the, when you're here, you know, the, for me at least, the pedestal has vanished <laughs> a little mm. bit in the sense that it becomes <laughs> uh, demystified, the experience. So there's a lot of mm. a myth around Cambridge, but then you come here and you see that, you know, everyone's just, you know, people are people. Yeah. I, I I remember from from myself before coming here and arriving here, I was like, what do people who go to Cambridge look like? <laughs> like I was literally just curious, what would they look like? Are they gonna yeah. <laughs> so and then you know they take all forms and shapes. I mean, there's still huge issues in the whole Cambridge institution and, and how white it is. Um and, mm -hmm. and it's definitely has a huge issue with underrepresentation of minorities. Um, yeah. And I'm very happy to see that those debates are actually ongoing. So within Cambridge, there's a lot of people questioning the own whiteness of the institution and right. how it has this position of authority. But, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, it's complicated, but it's very interesting to see, to think back to those days when, when we just arrived and, and it's all um, changed so much, you know, mm -hmm. I had, yeah. I don't think I would have expected it to, to be so enjoyable. Like I, I've really been <laughs> being here in the, the sense of community for sure. Yeah. 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 Same. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. So um, today we're going to, start with a new segment in our podcast <laughs> so i'm going to be asking you a series of questions related uh -huh. to quarantine and you're going to be answering them for me so let's get started right away oh no okay let's go <laughs> <laughs> okay. tell me what is something you absolutely should do during quarantine according to you um, well, this is hard because everyone obviously has their own things that they should be doing. And I yes. don't think I'm doing anything particularly better than anyone else. Of but course. I am keeping my room spotless. And that 
is maybe something people could consider doing as well. <laughs> That's a great idea. Are you usually not keeping a spotless? Well, now I'm just spending so much time in my room. I, no, it's usually, it sort of like fluctuates, but now it's kind of one of the first things I do when I wake up. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's nice to live in a, or just to have a well-ordered desk. Yeah, that's good. All right, spotless. Question number two. What's something <laughs> you absolutely shouldn't do during quarantine? Um, I, my sort of impulse when all of this started was to think of all these things that I wanted to accomplish and get done. Um, yeah. And I've kind of come to think that um, for me, this isn't, I mean, I'm, there are things that I'm, I'm doing, new things that I'm trying, but I'm tr not, trying not to think of this as like a time of pure productivity um, mm -hmm. and just more, rather than trying to produce work, especially, um, yeah. I mean, I do have to produce work, but I'm mm -hmm. focusing more on just kind of enjoying life right now. Yeah. So <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, I admire you for that. I've been struggling with the same thing of feeling this, I, this pressure of producing stuff. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? I think it's our like work culture that um, we have this idea that as soon as you have any free time, you have to fill it with, with kind of progress and advancement. Um, mm. And we have such a sense of like, I think we just always feel like we have to fill and move forward and, and create yeah. um, capitalism, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think this is something that's especially strong in the academic world, or do you think it's just widespread and it doesn't matter which sector you're in? I think in different ways. Um, in the academic world, a lot of, like, what you produce is kind of, it's so based on, like, sort of your state, I guess, that um yeah I think I think it's kind of in, in all sectors but yeah but something about academia where you're kind of constantly yeah. work working I mean I guess you have that in other industries too but yeah. um yeah I saw this really yeah. interesting article uh come by that was written by a, an academic Ahmad mm -hmm. her, her last name is so it's called okay. why you should ignore all that corona inspired productivity pressure ah, and okay it's written by Aisha Ahmad hmm. so okay. it's a really good article that I read and that's made me feel better about not um not being productive all the time because mm -hmm. a lot of people are like hyped up and they're like okay well we're at home so this is the perfect time to actually do all yeah. the stuff that I am supposed to be doing right now and right. um she's she's just writing against that and it's a really good uh recommendation to to give yeah. if if you feel the same thing yeah that sounds really cool yeah i think part of like um the specialness of this moment i mean if one can look on sort of one positive aspect is this like complete disruption of our um of kind of our the uh, our lives basically yeah um and it's a way to kind of reconsider a lot of maybe assumptions we make about how we, um, about this sort of need to, to produce mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Move on to the third question. <laughs> what is the first thing you'll do when the lockdown is over? Um, I've sort of rearranged these several times, but 
hug my friends, I think. Aww. I'm going to go to the library and then I am going to go to a huge crowd of humans, <laughs> po possibly a concert. <laughs> so those are the, yeah, hugs, libraries and concerts or like just crowds of people, right? Yeah, yeah. maybe a, like a nightclub, really Ooh. dark and loud. <laughs> Lots of sweaty bodies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i totally agree with especially your number one which is mm. hugs like i've realized that's such an important part of just like our existence human time mm. like oh yeah hugs are important yeah it's so weird to see people now and be so happy to see them and then it, at this point it's automatic like not even like going moving to hug them yeah um it's yeah. weird what do you think will happen when this is all over with and then we can suddenly hug each other again. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are going to go wild. <laughs> it's going to be... <laughs> yeah, it's also going to be kind of like awkward because you'll be like hyper aware of your, your proximity yeah. to other people. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you know, usually it's so normal for us, but now we're getting accustomed to keeping a distance. So then suddenly yeah. coming within each other's space again is going to be another change. But yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a big question, what will happen when this is over? Yeah, yeah. Then we'll come back to that. Yeah. All right. <sighs> if you could pick one item to stockpile during quarantine what would it be <laughs> this kind of turned into me thinking about my favorite food yeah um and i decided on eggplants which aren't really practical to stockpile because they do go bad but they're wonderful um vegetables very versatile and probably one of my favorite things to eat so <laughs> basically that <laughs> wow of all the things i had not expected eggplants <laughs> all right cool so you're gonna stockpile eggplants yeah and then wh while you're stockpiling those eggplants uh if there's one song that you could listen to what would it be <laughs> this is also a really hard question um i've been going on a lot of runs and i really find it hard to to run sometimes without listening to music Right. So I have been listening, I don't know, but this is a hard question. <laughs> listening to some Frank Ocean while I run. Frank Maybe Ocean. Frank Ocean Nights. Hope you're doing well, bro. Everybody needs you. Everybody needs you. Ooh, nani, nani. Okay, great. And then Gloria by Laura Branigan. Also a great running song. Okay. Very 80s. These are the top ones in my music in my running playlist. So great. Are you do you go running every day or like every other day or what do you do? I'm trying to do something. Um I have been I've been running either like yoga or I do our rowing yeah. um team morning exercises and then in the afternoon I run sometimes usually. Yeah. Like four times a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. All right. Question number six. What are you currently <laughs> binging on Netflix? Um, I am watching Elite. It's about okay. Elite. Yeah. It's a Spanish Netflix show where it's a very dramatic. It's about a, a very posh school in Madrid and all <laughs> the things that happen there. Oh wow. 
It all kinds. Like, like Gossip Girl, but Spanish. Exactly. <laughs> Gossip Girl, except with murder and and theft wow. and all like wild. Um, and then when that is too much for me, I switch to The Crown, which is a little calmer, although also very dramatic. It is so dramatic, right? Yeah. I've seen yeah. the entire Crown, but I haven't seen Elita yet. Yeah. Uh, so is yeah. this what you do to like keep up with Spanish? I try. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really been speaking Spanish in a while now, I, yeah. which is tough. But yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, my tolerance for kind of Spanish media is much higher than I think it is in English. So, I oh. any basically anything in Spanish is great. Um. <laughs> yeah. So. Can you, so like, just for everyone who's listening, so you speak fluent Spanish um, mm -hmm. and you, 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 you have a big interest in Spain, right? And in the history mm -hmm. uh, of Spain, could you just tell us a bit more about, uh, about this interest, where it came from and, and how <laughs> did you learn Spanish also? It's kind of a like, I guess, well, meandering a little bit. Um, when I got to college, I was, I wanted to start doing a language again and Spanish is so important in the US. Yeah. Um, And I started doing Latin American studies uh, because the U.S. just has such a long history and really important history in Latin America. Um, and from there, after college, I wanted to keep working on Spanish. Um, and I got a job in Spain and I have, I have European citizenship. So that was um, great in terms of the visa situation. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool to go from Latin America to kind of the um sort of where a lot of uh, sort of the root roots of like colonialism kind of started basically right. um and then I lived in Spain for two years in Madrid um mm -hmm. and then I came here yeah <laughs> yeah did you like were you fluent before you went to Madrid or did you become fluent there um I was pretty good I mean from I think fluency is really kind of a long yeah process um I was I, I spoke it pretty well but I definitely got much better in Spain yeah. um how's your Swahili by the way are you still doing that my Swahili <laughs> <laughs> yes so um just for those who are listening and are thinking Swahili what <laughs> um yeah I am learning Swahili um because I was supposed to go on field work to Uganda to work with uh, Congolese refugees mm -hmm. They don't speak Swahili so much in Uganda, but in the east of Congo, uh, my friends who are from there, they all spoke Swahili. And last time I was there, I really was, yeah, sort of bothered by my not being to understand uh, their language. So um, I started learning Swahili a few months ago and I'm still at it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's a very funny language to learn because it's so different from anything else. Mm. So. Um, the whole grammar structure is just the way you you construct sentences or or words like it's always the beginning of the word that changes mm. when you turn something into plural or when you t change like the tenses of verbs it's always the beginning of the word that changes mm. so uh, it was something different to get used to and just the words are they they sound a lot like each other there's a lot of W's, there's a lot of wapo, wapi, that kind of stuff. There's there's a lot of words that actually are made up out of repetitions. So huh. one of my favorite words for bell pepper is called pili pili ho ho. Wow. <laughs> yeah, pili pili ho ho. 
um, you know, or like slowly means pole pole huh. or like, yeah. So there's like these funny words where it's like just a repetition. Does um, pole on its own mean anything? Yeah, pole means, um, it, well, there's, there's different uh, um, uses of the word. So there's a lot of words that can be used in so many different ways. Mm. But I think pole on its own means sorry. Okay. Um, but then pole pole means slowly. Um, what do you think? This is one of uh, the questions from the segment. What do you think will happen after COVID-19? Mm. Do you think this is going to be the end of the world? Are we going to go back to normal, which a lot of people say as well? Or is this going to be the new beginning of something? I feel like, yeah, it's a tough question. It's kind of, yeah, the big question. I think it kind of, there are sort of two sides to it. Um, there's kind of the side of like how we're going to, how sort of our interaction with other people and with like the people around us is going to change. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's for me also the sort of the question of how our, of, of, of government sort of changes in like the role of, of the government in our lives. Um, you keep hearing about um, sort of the expansion of, of surveillance programs over citizens or, or over people. Um, and sort of the, the using of data that, that companies have already collected on us, location data in particular. Um, yeah. And there's some countries, Israel's doing it, um, I think South Korea, I'm not sure, um, mm -hmm. where they've been tracking movement to see who has been spreading whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. I think that's a little worrisome. And you always have that after the, these big crises um, that there's a, then this sort of corresponding expansion of 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 oversight and um, yeah control yeah um so that and in the u.s you have other stuff like um some of the elections are in yeah. in some states have have continued uh mm -hmm. so wisconsin had a, an election last week um with even though like everyone said it was, uh, an election in person um mm -hmm. which is For me, that's really kind of voter suppression. Um, I don't know if that is like a lasting effect. And then you also have like, of course, massive, horrible, a massive unemployment. Um, so there's a lot of people who've lost their jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's huge, especially if there's no safety net. Like in the US, the situation is, again, very different from here in the UK or, or elsewhere, you know, yeah. there's different national policies around how to deal with unemployment yeah. um, and, and health insurance and stuff like that. It can be so stressful when it's not there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there's also, it's sort of hearing how politicians talk about this virus, I think is quite interesting. Like a lot of, um, a lot of politicians talk about it as this invasion. I mean, in the US is like the classic example, Trump calling it like the Chinese virus. And um, yeah. there's a lot of like using this rhetoric this xenophobic and racist yeah. language against yeah. the virus. Um, yeah. So they both kind of tie into each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also calling it this war against, against like a yeah. disease, which, yeah. yeah. Gonna... Well, yeah, US is quite big on calling things a war against terrorism or yeah. war against drugs or war against this or that. But yeah, I, I found it very interesting to see that It wasn't just uh, Trump that did that made the war comparison, but like a lot of European leaders yes, yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, 
which I'm curious if this is why why they make this comparison because an, a pandemic is is quite different from a war, but um, it does I guess also invoke this this kind of feeling of we're in this together, we we against something mm -hmm. else, a collective. Yeah, to create some kind of national coherence or something like that. I don't but know. But it's also a coherence based on attack and defensiveness. And um, the funny thing to me is that, like, the solution to a disease is like cure, like a cure, right? Or like healing. Um, and the way they frame yeah. it, the solution is is like militarism, kind of. Um, and then I think there's just quickly. I think there's also this. On the personal side, I think there's a rediscovery of of kind of what the internet can, how the internet can connect people. Um, mm. Also, kind of a reconnection with the local, kind of. Um, even if in mm -hmm. a lot of places you can't even go outside. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe less in those cases, but I don't know. You see in all these cities, people like waving or, or shouting across um, this, you know, from their buildings every night. Mm. Um, yeah. My parents have talked about how they're in New York City and how you kind of recognize which are the houses that come out and like bang all their pots. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. And here, like I, I mean, I, I really am getting to know sort of the local stores that are open. You yeah. wave, even if people cross the street to avoid you, you still there's a kind of camaraderie. So no, it's true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah, it's interesting. And also just within your household, right? Even mm -hmm. just family members or friends that you are around with, yeah. you just love them so much more. Totally, now. yeah. Um, we're kind of all in this together. It really kind of makes a family of our house. Um, mm. Yeah, we clean the house all together and then we do like dinners and stuff. That's great. Yeah. yeah, that's really important to do. So my final question to you, if there is one new skill that you <laughs> wanted to learn during this time, what would it be? Well, I, um, I saw Summer, who's one of our fellows, I saw her with skateboards and her kids. And that <gasps> brought back, well, it makes me want to learn how to skateboard. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of the only appropriate time that a 25 year old can. <laughs> that's great. That's such a good idea. I have to figure out how to get one though. I have yeah. learned how to yo-yo, um, and I've been teaching my house frisbee. So, oh, that's little great. bits. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's the small things in life right now. Yeah, right? like those things. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Our household. We've been teaching each other some like weird skills that we have. That's you know, awesome. Like we were dissecting plants with uh Casper. oh cool <laughs> he's a plant scientist <laughs> and i learned so many latin names of like families of plants that's really nice <laughs> yeah. yeah i heard that in your like second episode i think i love that idea of, of everyone kind of teaching people each other like yep. just things that yep. they know or simona's exactly. teaching you about computer science or something yeah so he's he's organizing some sessions on on coding that's so cool so well, because he wants to learn it for his biology and, and some of our other housemates also want to learn it. Um, I have no, I'm so clueless when it comes to coding. So um, I think I could benefit from some, some uh, coding literacy mm, myself. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Eleanor has been, uh, has started with her violin. Yes. I love that. Musician. Yeah. Yeah. And she's been teaching us violin. It's amazing. And you're learning too? 
Yeah, so now, right now, I can play uh, Twinkle, Twinkle. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, I love that. Wow. Uh, Thank you for joining me. my pleasure. Great to talk to you. <laughs> To all the listeners out there, thank you so much for listening in to this episode of Cambridge Quarren Chats. My name is Simone Ehringfeld, and I would love to hear how you are doing in life under lockdown. Find us on Facebook or Twitter by looking for at Cam Quarren Chats, and I hope to see you next time. Bye!